I, I definitely woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That's not even a joke. I, uh, I rolled out of bed before I had to do office hours for this, this boot camp thing that I'm, that I've been teaching. And I like told everyone at the beginning, like, I'm sorry, I haven't had any caffeine. I haven't like worked out nothing to feel awake or alive yet. Um, and you, and you're just getting me rolling off, like rolling off of that. It's so, probably fine. Uh, bad host over here. I'll keep, I'll keep my mouth shut. Oh, go rip a cold shower. I actually did try the cold shower before office hours and it just didn't, it, Maybe wasn't long enough to fully wake me it up. It sucks. It's not fun. How's the workshop? Been but going? it does actually work. Especially <laughs> we got we got Joe here who does a lot yeah, of workshops. I've been. Uh, I'm curious how your workshop's been going, James. Since it's not publicly. No, I'm asking you, James. You t- you, you asking Joe? How's about your workshops? workshop going? You asking me? Yeah. You said you're doing what like work? the workshop boot camp thing. What, what, you just got the boot camp. Hours. Yeah. How's the, it going? Oh, the, the the boot camp thing I just told you about. Sorry, I just didn't think of it as workshop. So I thought you were talking about something else. Uh, it's good. It, no, it's, it's, it's really good. It's like, look, online, online classes are interesting in that you get this, uh, you start off with a bunch of people and then it drops to about a third of that, you know, like half third to half of that by, by the end. But the, the people who stick through it, um, seem to be doing really well, which is, which is awesome. Um, the bootcamp we're doing right now, it's with NAS Academy. It's, it's, it's a shorter one. Like it's six weeks, nine sessions plus three office hours. Um, so it's, it's not quite at the rigor of like what I've been told, hmm. like web three Academy is where, you know, they're taking like existing devs and turning them into pros kind of thing. This is more like, Hey, let's give you an intro to Solana development. So I think the goal is people come out, like the final project we build is basically a, a staking, like an NFT staking program with a, and a company front end for like minting and staking. So they, they come out of it, like knowing, knowing the basics and being able to do some stuff. Um, but it definitely is going to be up to them after this to level that up into like, I can work on a production level depth. Um, so TBD on, what percentage of the people that graduate end up doing that, taking that step. Is your workshop pirate themed? Cause if it's not, then it's just, it's not at that level yet. You just got to be pirate themed, right, Joe? It just doesn't hit as hard, you know? It's uh, I cannot, I cannot say that it is uh, pirate themed, <laughs> nor do I, nor do I feel like I have any control over the theme. Uh, sure you do you know it's like i'm 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 contracted by an organization to show up and teach and they they've made all the slides and that kind of stuff so you should have been like here's what we're gonna do we're gonna bring in a parent (laughs) and then they're like you got my attention (laughs) what i what i should have done is like actually you should talk to joe (laughs) joe's gonna do yeah (laughs) yeah sure how much do i get paid uh <laughs> enough that you'd probably want to do it okay yeah tell him to hit me up yeah for, for the for the time spent for that for the context on that pirate joke at foundation we're about to do a boot camp in new york city right before the new york city hacker house and joe had the phenomenal idea he's like let's make this pirate themed so the entire boot camp is pirate themed <laughs> it's all about like you're you're stealing pirate gold from pirate ships and you've got cannons it's going to be awesome <laughs> yep you guys who's, are welcome. who's teaching this thing is is joe teaching it joe, are you teaching it yeah I, all of us will be yeah 
pretty much everyone at, at Foundation DevRel is taken like a day or two because it's what, like six, seven days long, something like yeah, that. Yeah, all of us are bought in on the pirate thing too. So Nick's already got a costume. He was telling me about it. Of course. It's apparently hilarious. I don't have a costume. This is Joe trying to trick me into getting a costume now. <laughs> Aside from our eye matches, we're going to have eye you're gonna let You're going to be the only one who shows up with that one on. Then you're going to look Ooh. hilarious. You're going to wear fun. that Solana t-shirt oh, and man. everyone else is going to look like Jack Sparrow. Bet. And they're going to be like, who is this guy? Does he work here? Honestly, though, like I don't know that it wouldn't be a that it would be embarrassing for you, Nick, to show up. It would up be really like on par. Even if you were the only one. Like I, I like I think I think it would be great. You should do it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You should do it anyway, even if it wasn't a pirate thing. I'll just wear it through, I'll just wear it for, for the it, entire man. hacker house yes. too. People would be like, What's wrong yeah. with Nick? Like he thinks he's back Nick. on a submarine, like I don't know, he's PTSD or something. <laughs> Nick, if the <laughs> They'd be like, is he shilling something? What's the point? <laughs> is he shilling? Perfect. Is that a pirate? Um, it, look, Yo. Nick, if ah. there's one thing I know about Joe, if there's one thing I know about Joe, it's that he's cooler than most people. If he thinks oh. you should wear a costume, you should wear a costume. He knows. He, he does know. That's right. He does know a lot of things, That's too. Right. And I'm telling you. Did you see did you did you see how this how this guy was partying at Breakpoint? <laughs> Dude was no, because I had to leave early. Dude was everywhere. Sad. Having Dude, a great I have, time. I have style, oh. man. What can I say? I had a ladies' windbreaker on. I was fully invested. <laughs> I don't know that I've, I've been jealous of anyone the way I've been jealous of Joe <laughs> at Breakpoint. All vibes, bro. All vibes. Literally, yeah. You are the definition of all vibes. <laughs> I'll let you guys use your imagination on what that looked like um that 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 being said we should probably do some level of introduction yeah we really so should our listeners aren't just like oh we came to we came to watch some friends hang out and not have context on anything they're talking about <laughs> so uh joe why don't you tell the people about yourself um yeah we'll just we'll just leave it at that we'll super open-ended okay sure so i am joe i go by joe c usually you see me on twitter or wherever I work at Foundation. I'm on the DevRel team with Nick, and I'm primi- primarily a Rust dev. And um, I really spent a lot of time showing people how to build programs on Solana. And lately, I've been helping you know folks who are building dev tools and trying to build dev tools and trying to get grant funding and all these other things. You know, make sure that their projects see the light of day. So you know, that's what I've been up to lately. And yeah, happy to join the podcast with these fellows. Nice. Well, that's what you've been up to for the day job. But one of the reasons why you're here is that thing you've been doing for not your day job, the Nautilus framework. So like for context, Joe's been building this Rust framework called Nautilus that is like, I don't want to say it's a, it looks sick. sick. I don't want to say it's like a competitor to Anchor because that's not the same mindset. It's like another, another tool in that tool belt that people and developers can grab to try to make Solana programs. And it looks pretty great. Do you want to tell the people about Nautilus, Joe? Sure. Yeah, well, thank you for that intro on Nautilus. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you guys think it looks cool. There was some good feedback already from it being leaked a couple of weeks ago by Elias from Clockwork, and then Merck got a hold of it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, dude, like the whole idea is to make it just badass, right? Like there's 
there's an approach that I'm trying to take to writing programs that is kind of new compared to anything we might be used to. So like, and if any of you guys, any of your listeners caught our Solana spaces, um, we were chatting a little bit about it, but basically some of the main features that are interesting about it, first of all, like you don't directly write code that interacts with your accounts. You work with these structs or you define your own and you annotate it with a macro. And then the accounts, like there's pointers to the accounts that underlie each of these objects. So you as a programmer are just working with these objects, these structs. And so it feels very familiar, right? Like it feels like you're just working with like a POJO or like some kind of type in TypeScript or whatever. But underneath the rails of the program are pointers on each of the account infos that are part of your program. So you don't have to define those. You don't have to worry about reading them in. And then some of the traits and, you know, the types and everything that are that go along with the library, they enforce you to make sure that your accounts are set to the proper configs. So what I mean by that is like, a lot of times people who write programs, whether in native or anchor, they'll run into a situation where like they build some code and it compiles and it might be like a cross program invocation or something that is, is doing something that as long as you're providing an account info or a key, it's going to compile. It's not until you run the program with a test or hopefully not live, um, you get these errors. So like, oh, this is supposed to be a signer, privilege escalated. This isn't mutable, et cetera, et cetera. Nautilus will make sure you get those at compile time. So like if you don't have the right type, oh, that's legit. the function isn't going to work because it needs, like for example, if you don't have your thing wrapped in mute, you won't, it won't build because it needs to be mutable. Same with signer, et cetera. So, you know, it's, it's got these type wrappers that enforce that. So those are the two like main features. And then like a little spice up thing that I did with the framework as well is like, the concept of PDAs being very similar to that of like database records, depending on how you lay your seeds out. Um, I sort of took that to the next level and said, like, if you define this PDA as a table, like the struct, you can just pipe records into it and it'll auto increment. It'll do all these things. You'll be able to query them. Um, you can treat it just like a SQL database. Oh, that's shit. super cool. That's, that's actually awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I've been wanting to like you're, actually you're turning it into the true Esculana. Esculana. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is the actual. The actual. Love yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> what should? What is? What is something I could build today with Nautilus that would give me a decent feel for the framework and its features? Right. So for starters, it's not available yet. Um, it'll be available about a month from this recording soon TM, but when it is okay, available, but is it available, but, it, but is it, but is it available to me? Um, uh, well, test? there's no client, so you could try it, but you'll choose some glass on the TypeScript okay. side for sure. James loves TypeScript. Ne- 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 never mind, I'll do it. I'll the do Rust it crate though is like almost wrapped. Like the IDL's done. Like everything looks really good. Nice. There's just a couple of checks that I'm adding and stuff like that. But does does your IDL work with Anchor or is it like very specific to Nautilus? So the IDL for Nautilus is modeled after Anchor's IDL. It has the exact same fields and the structures are the same. Okay, but it has additional fields. So I don't know for certain Got exactly it. how Anchor will handle that. I have to look into it. But the theory is. Okay. They should be very compatible. 
So, so theoretically, but untested, but theoretically, I could use Nautilus today on the program side of things, get a generated IDL and do my tests, my client side tests using Anchor. That's correct. Yes. Maybe, maybe I'll try that out. My, maybe I'll hit you up for maybe I'll try that. And try that. My gut reaction to that is like, wouldn't it make more sense if you were to add some sort of modular functionality into the Anchor IDL parser? So that way, if you're based off of Anchor's IDLs already, except you just add extra fields, I think it would make a lot more sense instead of just rewriting all of that code to just make a PR to the anchor parser so that way you can just supply additional fields and then it's a win-win. It makes it so anchor will just be like, it like makes everything cross compatible a lot, a lot easier. Yeah, that's a great Joe, point. You don't have to listen. To, you don't have to listen to Nick. You're not like, don't let him bully you into doing anything. You I mean, <laughs> ultimately I'm not afraid of, of building out a custom library myself, but that is a good point. Like if it's compatible as evidenced by Nautilus. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, if it's compatible enough, it's cool to do exactly what you just described or use Anchor as a dependency, right? Um, there's some concerns, I guess, there, but ultimately, I think that is one avenue that I'm exploring. Once the crate's wrapped, it's all client from here on out for me, so like for development-wise. So that's going to be something I'll definitely look into. But yeah, I would hate to have to write all this like IDL parsing and, and type generation stuff. I would, I've been looking at Solita as well, but the only thing that... I'm not a huge fan of with Solita, not that it's not a good tool, is that you need like configs and you need a CLI, right? And technically speaking, um, right now, you don't even need a CLI to build a Nautilus program. Like when you do cargo build SPF, you get everything. You don't need it. You don't need any CLI at all. You can have one. There is one that I'm working on, but it's not actually necessary right now. The macro will print everything when you build with cargo. Well, that's hella convenient. So if, like if I can avoid a CLI, I will. That's sweet. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it does use Shank. Um, what about like under the hood? Um, one of, I just wanted to shout out the team that put together Shank um, because w- one of the features of building that IDL is like Shank has a really nice crate for reading the contents of your crate. What is, what is so Shank? I'm not familiar by with it. Part of Shank. So Shank is an IDL library for native programs. So you basically just add a couple of annotations to different parts of your program. So your instruction enum and your structs for Mm. PDAs, you just annotate them. And Shank has a CLI that will go in, look at what you've annotated and build you an IDL. And it works really well. It's very, very robust. But again, like I wanted to avoid a CLI. Nick, if you need help understanding any of this, I know as a JavaScript dev, you're just it's you're hard really cool. Understand cruel. any discussion of Rust and yo, oh, I we just, haven't even got I just Rusty got yet. My Rust book, I got it the other day. So there like, it is. It's hey, a yo. work in progress. I know physical, physical copy. copy of the Rust programming book. Go physical, go home. Wow. I think every Rust dev has one. Yeah, so like I'm 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 slowly Nick working is, my Nick way is trying to it. become a Rust. Like dev. I spent like uh, last week, I spent like probably like four or five hours reading through the Solana source code. Cause I was trying to figure out like uh, some like additional docs to, to write. So I was like jumping back and forth and trying to like trace uh, specifically for like one of the WebSocket methods. Cause it's like not documented almost at all. So I was like trying to trace everything out and I'm just like, 
I can read Rust pretty well. I just can't program it. But I'm working on that. Ah, oh, dude, you'll, just, you'll, you'll get there. You'll just get, there. get the Rust analyzer, open VS Code, and just start hacking away, and you'll. Figure yeah, I it feel out. like I need to talk to both you know? of you actually to figure out what like VS Code plugins I should use and get my environment set up right. That way, I can just go to town and then do all I, the things. I actually probably need someone. Okay, to show Joe's going to show well. us both. Like I, I, you know, you you know that whole like it's good enough that even though it could be better, the, <laughs> the effort it takes to make it better, like doesn't seem worth it. I'm probably right there where if someone showed James, me are you telling way, me that you're an 80, 20 dev 80% of the time you're just rock solid. That last 20% you're like, man, it's good enough. Isn't that all devs? Hell yeah. yes. Definitely not Noah Prince. <laughs> it's all devs that ship. Yeah. That, exactly. Not Noah Prince. <laughs> it's, it's all devs that ship except for <laughs> Noah Prince. Damn it. You had to give a counter example right away <laughs> off the top of your head. I mean, dude, for your Rust environment, all I really use is you just download Rust mm-hmm. up to manage your versions and your toolkit, and yep. then you just get the Rust analyzer in VS Code. That's all I've done. I've I done. Haven't that's done. That's all I have. So, do, so good. I'm not I, I'm with the Rust analyzer. Yeah, does it give you the set. option? Like, so like when I'm programming in TypeScript or even just regular JavaScript, I can like hover over functions and and variables. It'll give me like all the type checking. And I can see what methods and, and data is available on those. Does the Rust analyzer actually provide that to you within the Rust code? It oh, does. Okay, yeah. Cool. Because I don't mm-hmm. have it. I don't have the Rust it's analyzer a set up buggy. for my local Solana repo. It's like when I'm like browsing through the code, like I have to like manually just Control Shift F and like search for everything. But I don't have the Rust analyzer installed, so yeah. maybe I should do that. Yeah, what it's is, a little bit buggy. You, Nick? When you're working with a real big repo like Solana or the Solana program library, it can kind of dance around on you a little. But whenever you're building like a program, it's pretty good. And in fact, that's one of the benefits I, of having it when you're building like a Nautilus program is you'll get the yeah, little get red like squiggly if you type do checking. Effectively. Is it called type checking in Rust? Or is it something else? Um, yeah, yeah, I think cool. so. All right, I'm going to set it up later today. Um, so, so Joe, before, before Solana, what, what were you up to? Like, give me just a a quick 30, 60 seconds on your career pre Solana. I'm curious uh, what has led to this person who is both an educator and a developer advocate and is writing their own frameworks on the side. Like, you know, what, what sort of background lends itself to that? And, um, and is cool enough to be partying with the best of them at Breakpoint. Well, I'm just naturally you know? cool. That's true. That's just me. Verified. I'm just cool. I mean, that's that, that spoken like a cool person. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, my story is like kind of funny. And the reason I'll tell it is because like there's a lot of people that come from really wide ranges of backgrounds, especially in Solana. So like I was originally a landscaper. I was I ran my own landscaping business in Buffalo. And I didn't know shit about computers. I was just doing that work for a while. And then right before the pandemic, I moved to Florida, taught myself how to code. And then I came back home to get a job at a bank in Buffalo. And that's where I did a bunch of like enterprise grade, like cloud native coding. So I did like a lot of Java. I did a lot of Kubernetes, containers, you name it. And then um, I started tinkering with Rust on the side. And started going to hacker houses and hackathons and like tr- starting to get interested in crypto. And then like basically kind of got found by a foundation. And that was what started off. But I got into Solana itself because I was into Rust. I thought it was cool. 
I wanted to mess around with it. And I knew like, if you knew Rust, you could build on Solana, but you also knew a programming language that was getting super popular. And that was really what got me in here. And then since then, you know, you know the rest. So, so hold on, my brain's breaking. Uh, so, so you didn't know how to code like four years ago. Um, it's 2023. So I learned how to code three years ago, almost to the month. That was when I first Holy wrote my first crap. Python program. And it was and, hilarious. And Dude, that's now legit. you're like, <laughs> you would laugh. I didn't you, use a single um, function or a single class. It was all just declarative. And if it failed, I would run it again. Oh, yeah. the beginning. <laughs> well, yeah, no, my, my brain, my brain really is breaking a little bit here at like, uh, you you are a wizard because uh, because like <clears throat> I don't think most people uh, come nearly as far as as you have in three years. Like I would have assumed that you had 15 years of programming experience. Yeah, that's actually what I think, did assume. Know? Oh, no. Yeah, no, no. Nice. Very, very um, short career so far. I mean, I've just done a lot on the side. Like I put a lot of work in a lot of time in and I, I really like to educate yeah. myself. And when we had COVID, like that's all I did. I had all day. I had no job. Like I wasn't landscaping and I was just coding all day. Like not everybody has that opportunity, you know? So like when you start with just, you can code for 14 hours a day and not have to go to work. I mean, it kind of helps you yeah. out, you know? Yeah, I, uh, actually, I want to I want to double click on that. Like, so we had Andy on the show last week or the week before. Yeah, week before we had Andy on the show and we talked about like he's a, he's an educator and, and teaching a lot of salon stuff on YouTube and and video and I think maybe written, but not much written. And. So, like, what's your philosophy for like learning other than dedicate 14 hours a day and build things like do you have any any pointers for those people who want to dive into Solana specifically or Rust specifically? Yeah. Um, as far as like programming goes, um, I, I think what works the best for me, I'm kind of like a video guy, which is why I Same, started yeah. a foundation making videos and stuff, because that's usually how I learn most stuff. Like I remember I watched probably a million videos on Java and Spring Boot. In fact, there's this one dude I think is trying to remember the name of his channel because it's awesome and he's like the reason i got a job but um i can't remember it but if i remember it i'll share it but just watching videos like that learning and then um you know obviously you can't get away from reading some documentation but yeah the videos help with that but then practice it really makes perfect like i always tell people aside from just solana stuff because it's applicable there too just come up with some like random cool idea that you think is funny and like build it like my resume my GitHub resume when I got hired at the bank was like, it was like a, a flask app in Python. That was like me pretending you were like trying to get a spaceship to get off the planet. <laughs> like nothing that was like real. It I was all just like games. Though. Yeah. But it was like, you could tell that I put some work into it. Mm -hmm. I wrote a good API and like, it was very simple, but it was eloquent. That's really all people care about, you know? So like, that's the more like, hey, look what I can do with code approach. When it comes to Solana, I think you can even build on that even more and just be like, yeah, I've tinkered around and I've built some cool stuff and I know these concepts mm -hmm. and I also can program, right? And then all you need to do is really just demonstrate that ability. I love that your GitHub is your resume. Oh, um, yeah. It's, at least in, like, it's one of my favorite things in the software world. Like, it's it's great. Um, with... yeah. So if you were to recommend a certain path for like 
specifically if like someone wants to be a Solana dev and they want to learn Rust, would you recommend them build like a small random Rust project that doesn't touch Solana at all? Or just dive into Solana Rust and go through there? Which which kind of path would you recommend as like your gut reaction? I would definitely say the former. Um, okay. That's what I did. So like my particular path, which I think is pretty good for most people, you can probably spin it a little bit. I got the Rust book. I read it cover to cover. I built some example apps. There's some in the book, I think, too. I moved to building like REST APIs and working with like Tokyo and like async programming and stuff like that. So you get a good understanding of Rust, like borrowing, how to do multi-threading, like all these different facets of the language. And you're not going to have it like totally dropped like when you do that, you know, like... I didn't understand like what a box was or like all this stuff, but I loosely understood what the ask, like the little um, and symbol was doing. And then I moved to more Solana stuff. And just as you continue programming with it, you just get used to it. You start to understand when you need to borrow, when you need to clone, when you need to deref, all of these things. And that kind of stuff is really just something you could sit there and read about for a long time if that's your thing. But for me, it was just like, build with it and like you'll figure it out you know like you you'll understand it more yeah i I think generally a lot of developers kind of think they can read some stuff but until you build something with it and you get like that muscle memory of actually building it like most developers that information doesn't stick for them so that's that's fair fine joe i'll just go through cover to cover build some very basic example programs and then i'll do solana rust well code while you do it oh yeah for sure like I'm going to type everything code out. stuff while you go through a chapter at a time, just throw something together, even if it's just like a script, right? Like I had just like one crate that I would just create a new Rust file for every chapter and just, oh, that's a good idea. Do that. So, so at what point did you decide to start making, uh, your like short Solana tutorial videos? Um, actually that started before I was even involved with like foundation or anything. Mm-hmm. I was learning Rust and yeah. being like a YouTube heavy learner, I realized that like there wasn't at the time, at least a lot of like good Rust videos, like good Rust tutorials. And there certainly wasn't any Solana Rust tutorials. There was some for client side stuff, but like the video education was lacking. And I think it's come a long way since then. We've been a part of that. But, you know, I started making these videos because A, I was like, well, no one has these and this is how I usually learn. So I'm going to do it since I've been consuming these for so long with other languages. And secondly... I mean, it's not a saturated market. You can make a YouTube channel, try to make some money, right? So both of those things applied. But I mean, eventually I just got like so into it that I just wanted to build Solana stuff. So I started doing hackathons and then like the video stuff was something that we needed for sure. Still do. So I wanted to keep honest. doing them when I got here. Yeah, we Goals do, for the year, for sure. lots of video content. For sure. But yeah, the originally, the, originally the thing was just like, hey, I've been doing these, I've been watching these for so long and a lot of people have done these and maybe they're making money on their channel, maybe they're not, but like that's how I got a job. And um, if I can do that for somebody else, then that would be great. God, what a total like nice. bro move. So, so yeah. very philanthropic. Hooking it up. I really want to dive into this Nautilus framework like to, to get in the code with it. Like it just looks so good. Like it, it, like when I look at Rust code, I'm just like, like I said, I can understand what's going on. When I look at Anchor code, I'm like, there's a lot of, a lot of extra things going on with Anchor where it looks very, I don't want to say scattered. 
because like there's obviously intent behind everything that's going on but it's it looks more complex when you're looking at it but with nautilus you look at it and it's super clear what's going on you don't have to jump around a whole bunch and i think it's just so good looking that's exactly (laughs) right i mean dude one of the biggest problems we have on solana that like we on devro have noticed firsthand is like hackathons like i've gone to a lot of university hackathons and worked as a mentor and done workshops and tried to help people understand Anybody who's never built on Solana before that's in a hackathon that's 24 hours, 48 hours, they're going to spend half that time just learning Solana. And that sucks because then you're not really able to build something super robust and stand a chance of winning like the grand prize. You might still like compete for the Solana prize, but it adds a tricky dynamic to your team. Usually it ends up being like one person and the rest of the team's like, we'll do the app and you write the program. And then they're just like suffering for the whole weekend. Um, the idea is like with, if you use Nautilus to build your Solana program in a hackathon, you should be able to build what you want to build. Like you should be able to know how to build what you want to build in minutes, not hours, not a day minutes. And that's one of the biggest pieces. That's, that's amazing. So how, how do you get around, um, I mean, you, you touched on this a moment ago, but maybe we can get a little more in depth. It's like, how do you get around with Nautilus having to understand the broader Solana programming model? Yeah, I mean, you should understand it. And there's some aspects of it that you will need to know. Like, you'll have to know why you need to be a signer and why you need to be mutable. But you can kind of hack your way through it for like a hackathon. Mm-hmm. But the way it technically works to get around some of the more like, I guess, higher complexity account model details is when you use a struct, whether it's one of your own or one that comes from the crate, it already has the account info pointers that it needs. And when you use it in your function signature, the macro knows to pull that account in. So you're just saying like create mint and the macro is like, okay, it's a mint. We're going to need an address for the mint. It's like, we're going to need an account info for the mint. And then if you're creating it, it's like, okay, we're going to need the token program, system program, et cetera. So it does that, that resolution for you behind the scenes. And, and does all that, the extra information that's needed for that, like that you were just mentioning, is that something you just have to put in your function arguments then? Um, like your parameters, like to create like a mint or something. Yeah. yeah. So like you would yeah. have like create mint and then decimals and then inside your function body, you would just do mint.create and pass in the decimals. So similar to anchor nice. where you do init, and, and- it's going to initialize it. But the the difference is like, it doesn't actually do anything until you call it. You're telling the function sig, like I plan to create this thing. So it will pull the accounts in for you. But until you do dot create, it won't actually do anything yet. So it gives you the opportunity to add checks first. Ooh, yeah, that's good. But you can do an anchor. I'm Got just it. saying there's also the ability to do that here. Yeah, sweet. Um, so, I mean, it almost seems like seems like maybe an additional abstraction on top of even what like anchor does, right? Where Where it's like anchor makes account validation much more clear, I think, relative to... Uh, just native Rust Solana programming. 
And then this, it, it sounds like this is maybe even one step above that in terms of abstraction where, where it's like, yeah, you need to know a little bit about accounts and what they are, but there's not the same, let me create an account validation struct that goes through every account and adds constraints to each of them manually. Instead, a lot of that is, is just taken care of and inferred based on your yep. code. Is that what That's I'm exactly thinking? right. And the idea sort of came Sick. from move, Sick. right? Like, there's a lot of people really getting hyped up about move and mind you, I haven't looked into it super in depth, but one thing I do know about it is it's very asset based. So like you get an asset and it has a, a sequence of these different methods and associated functions that you can run. And that's just how like traits and structs work in rust already. So if we could just make these things with accounts underlying them as the rails then like you kind of have move, you know? Nice. That's sweet. I'm, I'm super excited to, to mess around with it. What it, what is your long-term goal with, with the framework? Is it just like you just building this for yourself or is it like you said, mostly something that you want to be useful for people who are just starting out with Solana, like at a, like at a college hackathon or something um, or are you expecting and wanting to turn it into something that actually uh, is is like used in production by you know large scale teams? Um, good question. Ultimately, I'm going to let the community decide. Like, of course, my plan is the most grandiose plan, right? Like, I want anyone and everyone to use the damn thing, <laughs> of course. But ultimately, it's up to everybody else. Nice. I think it's great to have alternatives. I think there's definitely a future where like maybe Anchor, Nautilus, something else live together and have their own share of developers. I, I don't like, it's not like a cutthroat type of thing. It's more like, is this something that people find valuable? Is it capable of being the way that like a lot of people are comfortable building programs and does it like, is it up to snuff to be production grade? I certainly think so. Um, and there will be plenty of innovations and, and iterations on it in the future to make sure it is. But yeah, the community is going to decide, man, you nice. know, like when it comes out, Try it out, feel it out, see what you think. And, um, you know, that's how we'll determine the future of it. All right. I got, I got, I got two last questions here before I either let Nick, Nick take over or, or we can wrap up. Um, one is, <clears throat> have you thought at all about interoperability with Anchor such that you could extend an existing Anchor program with Nautilus stuff? And then two... Um, community contribution like how are, you, how are you planning to approach that so that other good questions solid questions solid questions so the first one on the anchor compatibility um obviously the client side stuff we talked about so like idls using anchors client definitely something i'm like looking into now and something that i would love to be able to do on the program side though this is actually an excellent point right now both frameworks have very like tightly wound macros and they're very much their own thing so like Anchor's specifically looking for the context and Nautilus is specifically looking for Nautilus objects. I do think there's probably a world where you can interoperably use both um, because they're so different. Like Anchor has the context thing that's its claim to fame that's always called context, right? At least that wrapper struct. Um, Nautilus doesn't have such, a, such an object. So the fact that they have different naming conventions makes it possible. The problem with these kinds of things just to quickly mention is like 
it's a problem that Anchor has, it's a problem Nautilus is going to have, is that to build these macros that do all this stuff and like build your program entry point and stuff for you, it ends up being this giant like monolithic macro. And it's very hard for stuff to be plug and play with this thing. That takes a lot of work to do. So like right now, it's this giant thing that does all this work and you add all these configurations through how you write your code. But in the future, it'd be awesome to go with more of like a modularized approach. I don't even know what that would look like, but I know that it's like just that little annotation on top of your module does a lot for both frameworks. So that's tough. And then on your second question for community contributions, I think part of making it more modularized would also make it easier to follow the code. But like I've made my best effort already to completely document all the Rust code. It's full of comments. It's full of labels and everything. I'll continue to do so. My kind of developer. And um, yeah. And then um, I'm always available to just explain it. Like if people really wanted to work on it, I would just get on calls and talk about it. I might even do some videos to cover how it works and stuff like that. You know, anything I can really do. But, um, you know, obviously right now it's a, it's an altruistic tool. So like if you're going to contribute to it, like you can't expect anything in return yet, at least like it's just a, it's just a tool, (laughs) you know, like I did not build it for any kind of profit. Are are you, are you open to people helping now or are you waiting until you've got, got Oh yeah. No, you can help whenever. So you, 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 you heard it folks. If you're, if you're hearing this and you're like, wow, this sounds super interesting. I'd love to get involved. Uh, you absolutely should. What, how should they do that? Joe, should they reach out to you on Twitter? Should they just, you know, open an issue on GitHub? Yeah. What's, what's, uh, your both of those approach? are fine. Preferably GitHub is probably the best, but yeah, like, just like you said, James, I mean, this is an opportunity to like, it doesn't come often when you get an opportunity to work on a framework that might, like be something that people use. And I'm not saying I'm not shilling. I'm not saying it's going to be this big thing. (laughs) All I'm saying is like, no one has tried to build another anchor yet. And now that there is one in development that is like promising to do all these crazy things, which probably my fault, um, people have an opportunity to get involved with that process. (laughs) Like there's probably a ton of devs on Solana who are like, man, I wish I was around when anchor was like in incubation. Because there's all these ideas I have and all these things I would love to have weighed in on. Now's your chance. You know, you can do that. And I'm willing to take any contributors and talk about any ideas, of course. Go with GitHub, but Twitter is cool too. Cool. Nice. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll have a link in the show notes for the GitHub repo. And uh, it's, it's, it looks great. Like there's lots of code snippets on like the, in the readme. And there's like this cool flow chart that kind of explains everything that's going on. So it's, it's pretty straightforward to figure out what it's all about. And so if anyone wants to contribute, then open an issue, open a PR. Yeah, please do. All right. I guess let's, let's go ahead and wrap this up Sick. since James got to um, go. Well, this is, this has been fun. Uh, anything, anything, Joe, that you, uh, I don't know, any other things you want to say to the people before we, before we wrap? Um, Anything, anything you want to shill outside of Nautilus? Um, I guess one more thing I could mention, um, you know, like a part of the project, like getting a lot of eyes to it. I think it's going to be good because like I would love to produce some other kinds of tools for Solana. So like anybody who's interested in building tools aside from just like working on Nautilus, like there's room to explore all those kinds of things. I'm doing a lot of this work at Foundation already. And like, I would love to create a few that maybe live in that organization. Maybe they live somewhere else. I don't care. 
point is like I have some ideas, other people have ideas. Let's get in contact and let's build some tools. I think we can really level up dev experience on Solana quite a bit, especially with the newer technologies like interfaces, compression, etc. So hit me up. That's sweet. Yeah. Completely yeah. agree. Well, thanks, thanks so much, lot, man. Joe. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This has been really fun. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, folks. We'll see you uh, next week. Bye-bye. As usual. Later.